Welcome to the RPG Podcast. And we are live. Oh, God, Pat! Presented by Sheep. A Time Wheel Production. Okay, we're live. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Robert Patton Global Podcast, the RPG Podcast. I'm here today with our most returning guest and my brother, uh, Matt Zian. Thank you, sir. How's it going? Great. How are you? I'm doing very well. I just got done working out. Quick little workout. Oh, impressive. I need to get more of my workout game a little bit because... we just got back from Skank Fest, and I caught a little cold, and I fell like two weeks behind on my workouts, just trying to rest up and recover. Um, but I did hit the sauna a bunch, so I've been sweating it out. Yeah, yeah. You got to get on that Peloton, maybe. What is that? It's a it's an app for you know, like working out. They, they sell bikes, and you ride along to a class, but I don't have a bike. And I kind of just modified. I was actually swinging the mace bring the mace back to um, the pace of the, the exercise that they're kind of uh, talking about. It can be running outside. It can be running on an arc, I mean, on a treadmill or on the bike or whatever. They have all these different apps, even meditation and stretching and yoga. It's pretty uh, all-encompassing, but oddly enough, like their stock just dropped like sharp, like a lead because people – it's forty dollars a month for this app, and um, you know you can go to the gym at, you know, for right. like ten bucks a month. Some, right. some places, and this it's like an app. You're paying forty dollars. <laughs> that's that's a sharp uh, ask right there. Wow. Right. So a lot of money. I, yeah, I'm feeling like five ten bucks would be more suitable, but it is really good. I do really enjoy it, and I I get a lot out of it. So, and I get it for free from our producer, Dave. Oh, nice. So it, I, I do it like every day, but wow. I'm a, I'm an island boy. Me too. Yeah. We were just talking about the island boys and how they had performed recently in Miami, um, but their performance was a cappella, meaning there was no music. So they just came out and said, I'm an island boy for like 10 minutes straight. Oh, my God. And the crowd didn't seem to be loving it for some reason. And I get it because you need music. You need a beat, you know, like and this guy that had covered this topic said these guys should have made a song called Island Boy the week that it went viral. It's already been like a month and a half and there's still no song out. And that could have actually like been something in their legacy that could accrue revenue for years and years and years to come. And now it's just a, it's just an Instagram clip. It's yeah. like, they should have capitalized on that. Yeah. I feel like a, a strong baseline or some, some kind of crazy instrumental, like really loud to before they even walk out, you know, they're just like, it's, or maybe they walk out to a really sick beat produced yep. by like Tanya or something, which he mm-hmm. probably would have done that if, you know, yep. just for fun, maybe. Yep. yep. But uh, you got to capitalize, I guess. Uh, hopefully, they can get it together. Because if they haven't started recording that track already, then I don't know what is going on in their minds. Because they made, you know, a legendary <clears throat> hook, and yeah. there's no song for the hook. So that is kind of backwards. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, and I don't know if you can play it too long, you know, without making a song because then it's going to be played out. You know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. well, so, some yeah. people, I mean, this guy that on YouTube that I saw him talk about this, he said it's already played out. It's already mm -hmm. over. It's like yeah, they should have capitalized on it by now and got that song in people's playlists. And when it comes on, they would enjoy it and remember the fad, the, the funny factor, you know, of it, but they didn't do it. And at this point, it might be too late, you know, like sometimes you got to strike while the iron's hot or you're going to lose the opportunity. And, you know, if they make the Island Boy song official in like two months from now, are people going to want to hear it anymore? I'm not sure. Yeah, and can they come up with a new one that's just as good or catchy? Probably likely not. It's kind of hard to do that. Totally. I would imagine. But anywho, what's, what's, uh, what else is going on with you these days? Well, um, we should announce this new um, project that we've been doing. It's called the Time Wheel Foundation. Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah I, started, uh, I know. Yeah. The foundation. We started a foundation for yep. music and art yep. to support musicians and artists. Right. Yeah. I love it. And what was funny is um, our friend Christian, we had learned that Time Wheel has been operating. And you actually said this way before Christian. I didn't fully download what it meant but but one time we were at dinner uh at a really nice italian restaurant near your house and you had said so you're kind of like a nonprofit." when i described how time was operations work and i mm -hmm. was like i was like maybe i don't know um but when christian our our homie uh you know we had a meeting at the soccer game um at the uh, switchback stadium sponsored by sheath Hey. And uh, he was like, so you're pretty much a nonprofit, but not getting any of the benefits of the nonprofit. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, that's the second time I've heard that. Like, tell me more. Yeah. And he pretty much went down the, the rabbit hole of explaining that the, the type of work Time Wheel does qualifies as nonprofit work. And we're not getting any of the benefits, any of the tax breaks, any of the, um, uh, you know, the, the, the foundation look that, we should be getting for this type of work and we yeah like the bill and melinda gates foundation or the hillary rodham clinton foundation we got to get that <laughs> that money flow through but you still it's still like a but you know you you can still have employees and they can get paid for working 100%. for the foundation which is kind of cool that was my big confusion and why i had never considered us a nonprofit. is i did not know what a nonprofit was I thought kind of a nonprofit was something that generates revenue and gives it to a charity. I did I didn't realize that you generate revenue and still can have employees, still You're do the charity. Yeah, still do work in the field. Um, yeah. but but once that was like shared with us that information like it was like, "Oh, well, why not? We may as well because we're already doing that type of work and if we qualify to be a nonprofit then we're kind of shooting ourselves in the foot by not being one. So we recently pulled the trigger on that and we were approved. So congrats. And you're the treasurer. So thank you. And you are the chairman of the board or what? It's technically called the president, but but no, yeah, I guess I, I would be uh, the chairman or, or CEO or whatever it is. Yeah. I'm curious, what is a chairman? We should look that up. Producer Dave, what's a chairman? The chairman, yeah, because uh, you would think like, well, was, he sounds like he would preside over the president or CEO. You know, you got to answer to the chairman. Mm -hmm. But I don't. Yeah, 
I'm gonna look it up real quick. Chair. Chairman. Chairman is a person, especially a man, designated to preside over a meeting. Okay. Um, especially a man. That sounds rather sexist. <laughs> well, hey, I got the hair at least, so I'm somewhere in the middle. Okay. Yeah, you're uh, <laughs> non-binary. I'm non-binary now. <clears throat> the word is out. Just kidding, guys. Uh, I'm binary. I mean, because I, I see women chair women, you know, chair women, I guess. Uh, but I've seen, you know, chair women of the board on sh- movies, maybe not in real life. Mm-hmm. Just kidding. But I'm sure they exist. Yes. Yeah. Right. It's funny. <laughs> we've been going down this succession rabbit hole recently. I think every person on the team is is watching the new series or the new season. <laughs> yeah. It's a, a fast becoming my favorite show. And, but you know, my wife, Stacy, says like none of the characters have any redeeming qualities. She's like, they're all, I know. Like, they're all shitty. It's weird. Cause at times you start to think, huh, are they smart? Are they nice? Are they kind? And then they do something that's like, Oh, nope, they're not. Yeah. You know? And I, I don't know. Sometimes there's like a redeeming arc, you know, like in game of Thrones, Jamie Lannister, you start off hating him. He's, right. he's a douche, you know? He's just like this spoiled brat, like night guy who's good at fighting. But by the end of it, he's kind of a hero. You kind of like him. Yeah. Um, and I wonder if that's coming, if that's going to happen. Yeah. I thought it might happen with Kendall, but from what I can tell, he's still not playing the game with a good heart, you know? He's very vindictive and very... Uh, ugh, just nasty. He wants to be the... Power. I mean, it's like they all have so much money that money's not the issue. It's just mm-hmm. the power. Yeah. And he wants that position. And I feel like it's a the you know timeless tale of the man who has to destroy his father to become the king. Mm-hmm. And these are uh, archetypes, I guess, of history where. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't. You're you're living in your father's shadow. You have to go to another area you have to leave the tribe to you know start your own thing which is what he maybe could or should do mm-hmm. you know but he wants to take over and mm-hmm. it shows like money's not everything like there is a, mm-hmm. a you know dynamic where you just want that position and yes strange though you know it is and interestingly we've talked about this before um there is actually an amount of money you can make, and I believe it's something like seventy or eighty thousand dollars a year, that you don't accrue any more additional happiness by making any more than that. So by making up to eighty thousand dollars a year, you will see a dramatic improvement in your life, your the, your quality of life, the things you're able to do. You can travel more, you can pay people more, but after eighty thousand, you don't. If you start making one hundred sixty thousand, you're not twice as happy. You you actually don't get any more happy, uh, according to some statistics and some studies done out there. Um, so like seventy to eighty thousand dollars a year is the sweet spot where you can like achieve your maximum level of happiness that money can provide. But by having a million dollars a year, you would think you're like ten x happier than the dude making eighty. But you're not, like, well, according to a bunch of studies. A bunch of studies. I will, I'll uh, contradict that a little bit. I'm reading a book that we're all going to be reading. It's called uh, The Science of Getting Rich. And for one, with inflation right now, you probably need about 100 grand. 
compared to that old seventy thousand uh, dollar number. That's true. Inflation well, has gone up. And I'm just yeah, I'm just kind of tongue in cheek there. But also, the uh, if you had like a million, um, and you knew what to do with it, you know, like because you want to surround yourself with beautiful art and things, instruments maybe to play and um, tools to build stuff if that's what you're into, like uh, maybe. A beautiful garden you know and and if you can have maintenance crews keeping that tight and and right. beautiful so really utilizing the money you have to share with the ones you love you know like bestow gifts on them and and show you know like that's how a lot of people show love is by giving their rewards of the work that they've put in you know mm -hmm. and so there's a lot you can't i mean you can do a lot but granted let's say you have a million or you already have the helicopter and the plane <laughs> you know do you need two planes do you need a bigger plane do you need a yacht right yeah <clears throat> yeah i i watched this dude on youtube uh you're familiar with him alex becker um it's honestly been a while since i've enjoyed his content he really went down this like crypto rabbit hole and yeah. i haven't really been enjoying it because it's all just speculation anyway but anyway his his old stuff was interesting to me and he talked he actually ended up selling his house selling his lamborghini moving into a one-bedroom apartment and talking about how the the wealthy lifestyle is kind of a scam and it just signs you up for more and more and more yeah. stress more and more and more maintenance like when you get a lamborghini when you get a ferrari you don't just have this car that works now. Like what he what he said is, you're essentially buying the right to keep paying them because uh. you have to take it to Ferrari to be serviced, and it needs to be serviced every four months, and it's another fifty grand to service it. To replace a tire on a Ferrari is more than a car, like a more than like a, a nice Toyota, That's just to funny. get a tire, you yeah. know. So by oh Lupe, I think it's fiasco lupe something also said this too he went down this rabbit hole of, i bought a ferrari and i hated that shit because all i did was buy the right to keep paying more you know like keep servicing it and it's never over um so by getting a ferrari you don't just pay it off and you have a ferrari like you're gonna it's pretty much a subscription like even when yeah. you pay it off you still have to pay a thousand hundred thousand more dollars each year to drive it and have the oil change and to replace the tires and fix the brakes and everything is stupid expensive so it's a little bit of a scam to get these like these fancy ass cars you know yeah yeah i could see that definitely you might want to just rent or lease or you know because mm -hmm. uh, you can get drive them at a racetrack sometimes my friends have done that and I would I, invest in that. I would invest in going to drive one like every quarter and, and yeah. get it out of your system. And then now you don't need to take it home and worry about it. And another thing that this dude said was by buying these nice cars, all you do is worry about it. Like where you park it, you're worried about it. You're worried someone's going to ding it. You're worried someone's going to, it's going to get a scratch. And now like your stress is up. You, you would think that like you're going to feel like a baller and blah, blah, blah. But you're actually adding way more stress to your life by owning these crazy expensive things that if you scratch it once oh another thing is is the 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 fancy watches like a rolex yeah like 
they break all the time and then you have to send them overseas to be serviced and now you're still paying monthly for your rolex and you don't even have it you yeah know what i mean like it, they service it for like three months and then send it back to you and so you're paying all the while and you're not even wearing the watch and then it breaks again after a year and you have to service it again you'd think that like when you buy such a nice watch it would just work forever but that's not the case yeah i have a tag watch on one of my vision boards and my fr I went to a, a very fancy dinner last night. We had our own little special. I like when you go to a restaurant and you have like this back room where they can close the door, and it was just like this long table. And my friend Matt was wearing a tag watch, and uh, I mean, I don't get the point of it really because we have our phones, and I kind of basically know what time it is at any given time of the day. But it's just like a. Look at me, I'm a I'm a baller or whatever mm -hmm. kind of a thing. I'm not sure that I yeah. truly value that because then it's like okay, now my now take my wrist hurts. Off. Yeah, like yeah, it's just another thing to kind of right. It's, it, it's crazy when you see these rappers that have like nine chains on and shit. Yeah, and they're doing it for the look, but imagine how much their neck probably hurts after a few hours of wearing that shit. Because just even me wearing like my two or three necklaces that I wear, they're very light, yeah. you know, a couple mala beads. Like after a few hours, I'm ready to take them off because like my neck gets a little sore from wearing three necklaces. Like I can't imagine having nine and they're all made out of diamonds and there's probably three times as heavy. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, I have a heavy necklace and it's not, it's like, okay, this is going to cut off circulation. <laughs> yeah, like it's making you more uncomfortable um, for the look of it all. And I don't know, it's interesting, this, this rabbit hole we're going down where it's like, you know, just because we have money now because she's successful and we're looking at these higher end products, it, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get any more happy. Right. feel any better even right. like you have this thing and it's dope but like you're just worried about it like oh i gotta scratch on my grill like oh i'm, I'm stressed out now bro what am i gonna do my grill's scratched it's like it's causing you more stress and more anxiety and that's not the point of getting something you know like you should get something that causes you less stress less anxiety like for example i just got this new macbook and it is causing me so much less stress than my old one because my old one was so slow I didn't even realize how slow it was until I got this. And I was like, oh my God. Like when I got back on my old computer the other day to send some files to the new one, it was so slow in comparison. So invest in technology, not your wristwatch, you know? Yeah. Or, you know, again, like instruments. I think any, things where you can express yourself through other items, I guess, like painting and or doing ceramics and really trying to live like a renaissance life where we're fully um, expressing ourselves, you know, physically through exercise and then, mm -hmm. you know, through soul, through love and giving and, and then intellectually get a tutor, mm -hmm. learn a new language, learn a new instrument because it's just opens up your mind and like all the, there's different like, parts of your brain or whatever and you can be by utilizing them you become more complete yep
Yeah. This episode is brought to you in part by Element Kombucha. It's a new sponsor. We're very excited. They sent me a care package and I drank them all. I can't even show you. I could show you this empty bottle right here, but uh, it's uh, Element Kombucha. They have CBD uh, um, infusions, THC free, really tasty blends. You know, kombucha is good for the gut bio. So if you have been taking antibiotics, it's always good to take some probiotics. And Element Kombucha is sponsoring this show. They're supporting us. So we're asking you to support them. They actually have really good prices. It's like 10, 15 bucks for a six or eight pack on their different options. They have variety packs, or you can just get the summer vibes blend, whatever you want. It's at elementkombucha.com. Promo code RPG11 will save you 11% on your purchase, and they'll know that we sent you, and we would appreciate the support. Last but not least, sheathunderwear.com, the greatest underwear on the planet, the underwear of legends, the underwear that keeps your balls from sticking to your legs. That's right. This is the best underwear because it keeps your boys cool. Check out sheathunderwear.com. Back to the show. Yeah, yeah. Investing in yourself. You know, that's why kind of what I'm hearing is by investing in bettering your craft, whether it be through art or music or gardening, anything like that's something that you can carry with you wherever you go, you know, and not just something that stays at home and is a shiny object, you know, so. (laughs) Exactly. Although... A lot of people are, well, art, yeah, art, gems. Mm-hmm. Uh, Investments. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, we recently released the vlog of the Payson painting that you had purchased. Uh, Payson Jones, he's an amazing visionary artist. I mean, I see him as the next Alex Gray, you know, the next Picasso or whatever. And these types of people, their art sells for millions of dollars. Um and, you know, this was an expensive piece, but I see it as an investment. And, you know, I think that 20 years from now, it's going to have 10, 20 X in value. So, and, and of course, you're supporting an artist that you like by purchasing their painting and they get that return of their investment of time because it took him five months to paint this thing. Yeah. Yeah. We got a Great good deal day. on that. Mm-hmm. All things considered, you have to, because your time is valuable, you know, um, mm-hmm. I know someone who's trying to, who started a company, but then it kind of like fell to the wayside and didn't really, she kind of stopped, you know, focusing on it. But there was a lot of effort put into it, like two years worth of product and development and and branding and setting up connections and websites, domains, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And so someone wants to buy it she doesn't feel like it's worth anything but that two years of of hard work put into it is like a value oh yeah you that's what you're selling you know groundwork and arguably that's the most valuable work because so many people have ideas all day oh what if we had this product oh what if we had this service but they don't do anything because the groundwork is the hard work you know what i mean like if you just get a business you're like oh all i have to do is push this along someone already has the domains the branding the product the manufacturer someone already did all that hard work right for you to just buy it and then push it along is a lot easier 
yeah. than to actually build it, you know? Yeah, you see, you're putting yourself like two years ahead of where you would have been if you had to start it from scratch. And so, yeah, right. that's a, a little debate that's happening right yeah. now. I would I would 5X the price that she thinks is good and go with that. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, no, I like that. That's, that would be like, you know, 100 grand at least. But, you know, pricing... I, I talked to these people. There's a new uh, Jake Paul fight coming out in the next, I think, in December. And, you know, we're, uh, we sponsor fighters. And this company reaches out to us. And they t they've reached out before. But they always come with this, ex like, insane price. They're, like, 25 grand for, uh, you know, like, a logo on his shorts. And I'm like... This dude's an undercard fighter. It's not Jake Paul. If it was Jake Paul, we'll talk. Mm -hmm. But it's like a dude, I don't even know his name. I guess he was in the NBA or NFL. But um, but mm -hmm. I'm like, they're like, well, I was like, yeah, that's not happening. And they're like, okay, well, tell me what you think. And I said six. Mm -hmm. And they're like, how about 10? And I'm like, you <laughs> just went from 25 to 10. Like, why didn't you start at 10? I don't know. Right, right, yeah, right. I mean, there's a weird negotiating thing. Right. Well, and also they're probably pitching to people where money is no object. And yeah. while we are doing great, um, I like to remain a little grounded in realizing how much money is how much money, because that's how people get fucked their whole business. Like the freaking Dan Bazarian guy. Yeah. By thinking money is no object, he ran his whole shit into the ground and lost all his respect and all the respect of his company because he spent it all on parties, right? And yeah. um, I don't know. I like to remember where we came from and how much money things used to feel like. And then when we make a big day, you know, I always reflect on, oh my God, like we used to make that in a year and now we made <laughs> it in a day. And it, that's freaking impressive. And I don't like to lose sight of that and, and how important and how much celebration would come with such a massive success and it's easy to get used to the level of success you're at but it's i don't know i feel like you kind of shoot yourself in the foot with that by not loving and appreciating like each and every day as a success instead of kind of like looking at well what's our year going to be or whatever and it just pushes your happiness into the future forever and you never reach it you know like there's there's a balance to be had between uh having a goal and and pushing towards that goal and actually celebrating the level of success that we do have and continue to excel in yeah i mean every day i feel like every day is a celebration but so you have to just enjoy the process the journey mm -hmm. the the journey you know really there's a movie i saw uh, uh, the peaceful warrior and I'm pretty sure you might have seen it. Maybe mm -hmm. not. If you haven't, I recommend it. But this kid, he's trying to be a gymnast, and he meets a, like a sensei, teacher, kind of guru dude. Because this guy, this guy's like all in his head. He's always thinking about the future. He wants to be the champion. He's not enjoying life. It's like everything is for this future moment. And he's right. like stressed out all the time. He can't sleep. And it's just like constant mm -hmm. anxiety 
because he's not where he wants to be. He wants to be there, but he's here. And so the, the guru, he said, we're going to go for a hike <laughs> and uh, I want to show you something. And uh, it's, it's at the top of this mountain here mm -hmm. and they're walking up the mountain they're talking, they're laughing, they're joking, they're having a great time. <laughs> and they get to the top of the mountain and the dude's just like, here it is. And it was like nothing really. You're, it was, it's the same as it was the whole journey. And he's like, what? We walked like for three hours and there's like no, there's nothing different here. And, and he's like, yeah, but you were having fun when you were walking, <laughs> when you thought there was something there, didn't you? Right. You know, because when you get to the mount, top of the mountain, whatever this goal is that you make a million dollars, like you could have been enjoying it the whole time. Right. You know, because it's not going to be that much different when you get there. Right. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, and there's a whole parable out there about, you know, it's uh, the journey, not the destination. Mm -hmm. And it makes a lot of sense. And it's, it's very true. Um, so I definitely try to enjoy the journey as much as possible and, and try to instill that in people around me as well, because um, goals always change. I, I, what are they called? Stretch goals, right? You, you, you meet your goal okay, we did it. Like now what's the new goal? And then yeah. you, you just continuously do that. And that's fine. And that's a part of life and business, but to also realize and, and soak in the moment, smell the flowers, so to speak of, wow, we made it. You know, I think you should celebrate the little victories and that's how you find happiness in every day. Yeah. It's the balance. Cause I want to, be happy every day. I don't want to wait and put it off for the future. I'm, I'm like every second is mm -hmm. precious. It's mm -hmm. a gift. That's why they call it the present. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, just being in that zone, being in that flow, and like in that state of bliss. And uh, follow your bliss. Joseph Campbell used to say, just like whatever is calling you go to it and follow that thing and, and mm -hmm. your wildest dreams will come true. They really will. They really will. And it's been a crazy ride with realizing that and we knew it all along in a way, but people didn't believe it. You know, like we knew it. And of course we had doubts and bad days and who doesn't, you know, but um, I don't know. I felt like we knew we had something from the beginning, from the music that I do and that I help produce to the companies, both of our companies. Like we have like completely achieved all of our goals that we ever set out to do and beyond, you know, like I've said that a million times, like <clears throat> with time will, for example, you know, we have a large following on social media. Um, when I started out, I, I thought if I had ever gotten even 20,000 people on our social media, like my life would be complete. It went to like 400,000. <laughs> and it's like, holy shit. Like just by believing that I could even achieve 20,000, we got to nearly half a million online fans that fuck with our brand and, and uh, what we're about. And then with Sheath, you know, I think we would have been stoked to have just made a million dollars, period right mm -hmm. now it's a million a day 
you know so exactly (laughs) but almost yeah (laughs) we'll be we'll be getting there and and we are back we're Um, back i just smoked some 5-meo dmt feeling great Ooh, nice well that's how you do it that's how we like to do it is that how you get in the zone for your uh, creative work Yes, before every podcast, you have to smoke 5-MeO-DMT right as it starts, and it makes for an amazing conversation. I need to get some of that. I, I'm, I'm without, but I wanted to ask you about, the. you've been putting out these albums. Mm-hmm. Um, you're like a, a rapper. I kind of, like, uh, but you're like P. Diddy to me. And, Let's go. And, and Steven's like Biggie. And you, you know, but you come in and you do your verses. And how do you, how do you start, you know, with the beats and the, like yeah. everything? How do you get all that going? Because I, hold on, I want to recommend Cosmic Letterman. It's on like Spotify and Apple, and there's the, then there's a new one called Tote. I think that's right. But start. I would either one. Start with both. Whatever. Uh, Cosmic Letterman is the, you know. The one you released earlier this year, I think. Yeah. And very catchy, good. Like, I feel like it, it's good pop rap. I don't know. It's really good. Everybody right. Yeah. Tell me how you, how you get in the zone with all that. Absolutely. So usually we consult, uh, consult with the machine elves, and they pretty much give us the words to say. We just ask yeah. them, what do we say? And they just tell us. And... It flows. It works well. But anyway, to, to, to talk about the beats, um, we pretty much scour through beats until just something hits. And you yeah. feel like it, it's aligned with where you are internally. Because we show up every day in a different set, a different mindset, a different feeling. Some days are happy. Some days are serious. Some days are sad. And it's like, where are we? And how is this beat hitting us in the soul? Mm-hmm. Um, now, one beat might sound good one day and then not good another day. Just like the reason you don't want to hear this song today, but on another day, it's the perfect song to hear. So, you know, we just kind of see, well, what's charging us up? Let's go through 10, 20, 30 beats. Um, and then we'll say, oh, this one's giving me this idea. And you just kind of wait for inspiration to strike. And... And they don't all work, you know. We're, we've recorded tens of songs that don't make it out, but um, it's really just about having fun, you know. It's like, is this beat inspiring fun for us? Yeah. Is it inspiring good feelings, creative feelings, a way to express us ourselves emotionally? Like Stephen did have a song on Cosmic, uh, yeah, Cosmic Letterman that was like, "I know you're sad. I know I'm mad." That's not usually what he's talking about, you know. Yeah. But yeah, like yeah. that day, he maybe had a conversation with someone, and it it was putting him in this spot, and that's what came out. And again, striking while the iron's hot is really the concept. Um, and some days we're feeling straight silly, like we're just in laugh mode. Everything is funny. Maybe we took a microdose, whatever. And um, then we'll get some of these more funny tracks, like the one that you heard recently that's unreleased. Yeah. where it was like a conceptual idea. I don't want to speak too much to it. I want the music to speak for itself. But it was an idea of 
this is what's coming and it's it's kind of silly and it's kind of a joke and it's kind of hilarious but it feels like fun you know yeah i really enjoy them you know i mean i feel like maybe i'm biased but maybe not i feel like a lot of people out there would resonate if they gave it a shot cosmic letterman just listen to the whole album it's legit and then tote give it a go yeah gotta i know we're producing a video soon that i'm looking forward to because we we're expanding beyond underwear. We're making movies. Yep. Well, we can talk about Lilypad, for example, because it's already out. I love Lilypad, yeah. So Lilypad is a country trap song, which most people probably haven't heard of that. Um, and there's really not a lot of people operating in that genre. So, But how it came to us was funny. We were literally like about to do an ice bath. Um, and we were getting the ice bath ready. We were taking out the tub, we were filling it with water, we were putting the ice that we had just brought in from the grocery store into freezers, and just kind of walking around. And somewhere along the line, Steven said lily pad, and he just started saying lily pad, lily pad, lily pad, over and over, in this funny country voice. He was just saying it, just because he's Steven, he's a comedian, he's funny. Yeah. And he's just like, lily pad, lily pad. And then I was just like, dude, that's a song. And then he started singing. I'm a lily pad. I'm a, just a lily pad. And I was like, that's the song. Like, bro, write it down. Write it down. And then he wrote it down. And we came yeah. in the studio and we recorded it. That's, I love that. And that's one of my favorite songs. I know I cried when I first heard it because, you know, it's a, like a metaphor for us all being our own. We're our own individuals. I mean, we're all to kind of together, but we're all separate we're all on our own journey and sometimes life kind of takes you you know where the current is going you know you can you can do you know everything in your power to chart your course but if a wave comes crashing you know that's you got to get back up and start over again but <clears throat> right you know we're it's just kind of being, we're like alone, really. Like we're all really just alone in our own heads in this body, you know, and we're trying to figure everything out as we're going along. Yeah. I have a, a metaphysical idea in relation to that. And it definitely comes in these outer spaces that I've achieved with psychedelics where you're you're not in your normal operating capacity. You've left your ego more or less. And you're out in space, um, and essentially, you are alone. But what's crazy is it's so true how people say, like, when someone passes, for example, like, they live in your heart after that. Not only when someone passes do they live in your heart, like, you, they live in your heart all the time, even your current friends. And you're literally talking to them in your head it's crazy like you hear what your current friends would suggest because you know them so well and these types of things so when i go to these outer spaces i feel the presence of my friends i feel the presence of my family sometimes even feel the presence of my ancestors they're all there in your heart you know what i mean so while we might be one seed of consciousness um and in that we're alone 
by allowing people into your heart, you carry them with you always. And even in these spaces, like when you're dying, I believe people say what heaven is. They mm -hmm. say a place where you go with the people you love forever. I've had that experience. Yeah. <laughs> and it felt like forever. I'm just saying. It felt like forever. And I was with the people I love. And it was there. And holy crap, there's this crazy concept. I couldn't even deliver it very well. But it was on the Third Eye Drops podcast. He was interviewing a, a psychologist, a female, um, probably like episode 250 to 260. So if you want to look it up, I forget her name at the moment. But she did this thought experiment that literally made me start crying in the gym. I was on like a workout machine <laughs> and I decided to do it. I decided to, to hit my reps and close my eyes and do this thought experiment. And it hits your heart so powerfully. I almost don't want to like disgrace it by doing it wrong. But more or less, it asks you to close your eyes and picture around, you're at a table, you're at the head of the table. And there's all the people around you that you love, that are close to you, that are your friends, that are your family. And then the concept is showing yourself that you're not alone. And so what the thought experiment was is closing your eyes, really getting into that space where you're in this dining room setting with people around a table. And you ask them, do they love you? To each person, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? You will see that everyone loves you. And you're not alone, you know? Um, and that's the truth. That hit me really hard because I was like, if I was to ask my mom, my brother, my friends, my roommates, do you love me? The answer would be yes. And we can get in our heads all the time about, are they mad at me or do they, do they love me or whatever, these types of feelings. Love it. That's all just, you know, that's just yeah. all like... Uh, fabrications of our analytical mind because what our analytical mind does as a survival mechanism is to look for threats, look for problems, look for things like issues, look for things to complain about. Because in the past, as we were humans sitting at a fire, we would look out and we would need to identify, are there any threats coming to us? Because our survival depends on this. So our mind is literally always looking for problems, not how right things are. You know, like, because so many things are right every day. But yeah. We're not looking around counting them. We're not saying, oh, it's so right how my, my house feels today. Oh, it's so right how good this coffee is. Oh, it's so right how call that call went. Our mind's always defaulting to that's not right. That's not right. And that's not right. You know, but to be able to start to flip that is the work of transmutation. That's alchemy. Alchemy has always been a metaphor. And yes, it is like chemistry. But it's also been a metaphor for transmuting bad to good, dark to light, and our thoughts from, <laughs> from impure to pure. And we could literally just be like complaining all day, every day. But look at the opposite side of that. That's just as real. You know? Yeah. There, yeah. We're focused, our area of focus. And there's always two sides to every coin. And you can pick out the negative or you can pick out the positive and uh, I tend to try to 
do the positive because you have to kind of try because it's so natural to do the negative where you like you know you're like you lose a chess game and for a stupid mistake that you should have known mm. and and you're like god i'm an idiot and i hear people talk to themselves like that and i do it occasionally but i try to keep it to a minimum because it's this weird habit or instinct and i try to just be like no you're a genius or no you're the best and mm -hmm. i you know turn it into some kind of more positive self-talk because right. doing the you're an idiot i'm not sure that that really helps too much mm -hmm. you know it might be i need you know inspire you to try harder yeah, I suck. You know, it's emotion. Up. It's just yeah. the mo emotion of frustration rearing its head. But I believe that practicing self-love is super important, and you're not going to be in it 24-7. No one's going to tell you, practice self-love, and from every moment here out, it will be self-love. No, it's not like that. It's like meditation. Just keep returning to it. Yeah. Just keep returning to it. Because you wouldn't, if your partner, someone you love, someone you really care about, made a mistake, you wouldn't say, you're an idiot. You wouldn't yeah. say it to them. You wouldn't. Right. You're exactly. like, that's unkind. Like, yeah. that's what an asshole would do. But we'll do it to ourselves. We'll do it to ourselves all day, every day. But that's not self-love because we have the love for the outside person. We need to show ourselves that love. And that's the truth because our spirit needs to love our little ego. And that's what that is. Our ego is the one saying, I'm stupid. And I made a mistake or whatever, whatever. Like the spirit is the one that steps in and says, no, I see you little Matt and I love you and I'm not going to let you talk to yourself that way. You have to parent yourself. Like if you had a little kid, which I know you do, <clears throat> not a little kid, but you've had a daughter. I mean, I don't. So I'm just speaking from concept here. But um, you, you would always instill be gentle and, you know, like, don't worry if you scratched your elbow. Oh, it's okay. You know, like you wouldn't be like, I'm so, you're so stupid for scratching your elbow. You know what I mean? So we have to like reparent ourselves. It's fucked up though, because some people do that, you know, yeah, they're just they, unconscious, unfortunately. Yeah. And no, they will tell their kids or wives or husbands, you know, you're a fucking idiot. You know, what's wrong with you? you just, yeah. You know, they're living in hell, unfortunately. Like, hell is a place and it's here now when you're being like that. Yeah. You yeah. Know? It's horrible. And I feel bad for them. Like, people that just, I mean, I guess maybe we all have moments, but, you know, like you're tra you're in a car and you're fucking screaming at the car next to you. <laughs> I've done. You know, I rarely do, but I've done it. Yeah, yeah. And more so in the past, prior to sort of kind of taking on these practices. But right, right. Um, I've heard it's. I've heard many people comment on this, especially in comedy settings, like at open mics and stuff, about how we are when we're in a car. It's yeah. so different. Like when you're at the grocery store and someone cuts you off, you're not like "fuck you, man." You know, like yeah because they're right there it's this like object around you it feels like a shield almost like you can't get me i'm gonna like be super frustrated at you and it's funny because i actually i do it even today but i do it jokingly like i go like all right buddy you know i have that attitude like okay cut me off buddy go ahead go on yeah, you must be in a hurry. and it is yeah. like yo you're endangering me a little bit and that's really where the frustration stems from is I could crash because you're being a dick. 
you know. Uh-huh. Um, but by realizing, hey, we usually don't crash when that happens, you know, just coming back to reality a bit. Um, just let them go. Just let them go and say your little joke. You know, it makes you feel better. Yeah. <laughs> and don't actually get mad because then you're just it's no reason there's no reason you're just making yourself mad for literally nothing almost unless it actually was like life or death crash then it's like very appropriate for your emotions to get out of their cage a little bit i think my neighbor slightly different but similar kind of scenario like whatever um they got egged their house got egged the other day Mm. and you know they're just doing a Friday night movie with the family, watching it peaceful. And then all of a sudden crack on the window, mm. one egg and it ruined her night. She was like these hey. little motherfuckers and I'm going to cut their heads off or whatever. Like it was right. A full blown response of anger and over an egg. Right. Yeah. I, I get that because what that makes me feel is who doesn't like me and why that because if you don't know who threw the egg it's kind of like what the fuck like who is it that that's frustrating to not know who it is if you saw them then it's like oh i know who that is and why he's doing it more than likely and if you right. don't and if you don't know them then you know it was just a random act and you shouldn't be getting mad but you know like in those circumstances you know if you were in the middle of an mdma journey for example you would just laugh and wash it off with the uh, the hose and it, just keep listening to your music and it, it'd be funny. Uh-huh. So, and, and that's a total reality tunnel that can exist all the time if you're able to direct yourself back to it. Um, and you don't have to be on MDMA to feel that way. But to, to have the, a handful of those healing experiences, um, and this could be psilocybin mushrooms as well. Like any of a handful of those experiences can help you remember what that reality tunnel is and to dive back into it and to just be like, oh, we got egg. That's funny. Let's go get the hose. Let's keep jamming this music. Let's smoke a joint while we hose it down, you know? Like let's have some fun with this. And and it doesn't ruin your night. Yeah. I mean, I would I would look at it kind of like, oh, I did that when I was a kid. And that's probably coming back. That's that's karma. Um, that's true. I'm not gonna get upset about it because when I did it as a kid, typically there was no malice. It was me being a little shit, and mm. I didn't even know the people. You know, it was just like it was just like a like a drive by egging, and being just the kind of unruly. Because I was a kid, and that's what kids right. do sometimes. I don't know. Right. Yeah, they're testing the limits. Yeah. They're testing the borders of everything. I saw this movie recently, The Tree of Life. You should watch it, dude. It's fucking crazy. But it's kind of intense. Like, you're, you'd be in, in for an intense emotional journey. But <clears throat> it's really interesting. It's kind of an art film. And it goes into why kids test the limits on reality. Yeah. Like they, they get really frustrated with little things that their parents don't even register as what's going on with them. And they're like acting out in these ways to try to like make themselves feel better or do what was done to them. Like the abused become the abuser. Mm-hmm. And it shows that concept in full swing as this child is being abused by his father and then goes on to further that abuse in the world it's fucking crazy and that's the importance of good parenting a being conscious because 
you know the ripples that your actions will have with your daughters, your sons, with the people you interact with <coughs> in the world. And it's fucking nuts. But yeah, they act out because they're not being seen by their parents. They're not being seen by their the people that are supposed to be there guiding them. They're, they're just being like released out into the world. And when they do come home, where are you? Where were you? You know, like you should have been home. And it's just a bad experience at home. And then they, they like forward that experience outwards. It's fucking crazy, bro. Yeah, you would hope that kids that experience stuff like that would do the opposite, you know, and they're like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to mm -hmm. break this cycle that a lot do. Yes, know. very smart people do. They, they, they see what's going on. There are very intuitive children. And I actually had a podcast with uh, Jane Calm on like episode 11 or something of my, my podcast where she talked about from the beginning of being a kid, being in the grocery stores, she knew something was fucked up and her mom couldn't explain it to her. And it was, she was saying, where does all this trash go? Like, <sighs> like all the, all the boxes, everything, mm -hmm. all the food comes in. Where does it go? She was a kid asking this and her mom couldn't explain where it went. And she, and she, it gave her this big vision of a world of trash Oh, wow. And it makes total sense. And like, so she's just smart and intuitive and could feel into my mom doesn't even know this answer, but I think I know. And this is not right. We should not be littering the world with trash. Mm -hmm. And that's just a big thought for a kid to have. So some kids certainly have those thoughts, but other kids too, they're like by the life circumstances and, and the things that they've had to deal with growing up, they get this callous over them and they don't feel emotions. They don't ask questions. They just kind of force their way through the world in this very arrogant ego centered way. And it works for them. Um, and uh, that instills further that this works and I need to stay like this. And they don't actually ever open up. And they, won't, they have like resistance to going to things like therapy because they're almost afraid to open up some subconsciously, you know? Um, yeah, but, well, <clears throat> I mean, like, what did what'd she do about the trash? Well, she just knew the world was not right, you know? She, she obviously couldn't. But I think <laughs> she, she, she has helped a ton of people. She is a healer, in a sense, because she actually is a therapist. And she has helped me a lot. Uh, I recommend a session for anyone going out there, even if you don't have trauma, like just to see where you came from and, and how. And she uses this, this uh, system called internal family systems. Um, Michael Phillip actually had the founder on his show, and it's a really good podcast. Um, but this guy developed a therapeutic model that is reparenting, which is kind of what I was talking about earlier and where that was inspired from even. So we're diving a little deeper into the concept here, but there's an inner child in us at all times, and it wants things. It wants things that children want and need, and we don't listen to it so much. But the, 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 the process is listening to it and not only bringing it up, but holding its hand and showing it love so that it can be in harmony with you and you don't have this thing fighting within you, the inner child and the ego and all the stuff. Like when you bring them into harmony and you say, Oh, we're going to work together. You know, like your emotions can settle. You can learn how you got the way you are and by what, 
you know like i'll share a, a very deep thing because i just feel like it's it's a helpful idea for people to understand this concept but one day in a session with her she said how do you feel today close your eyes you know i meditated on it i didn't just snap an answer and i said lonely and she said okay where's lonely in your, in your body and i felt it and I, I said oh it's in my heart and she said now remember the first time you felt that feeling and it took me back instantly and i started crying instantly to this time i had uh wandered away from my mom our mom at a bank and and wandered into an elevator and pressed a button and i'm a kid and i don't know what i'm doing i'm just like this is fun blah 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 like and i go up to this floor and i get out on the floor and i'm like oh cool this is dope like time to go back and i'm pressing the button and it's not opening and it's not opening and it's not opening and I had a panic attack. I'm like a three-year-old. I thought I was stuck on the floor forever. Whoa. I thought I had fucked my life forever. Um, and so I'm like, what the fuck? And I wander over to the windows and I'm so high up. And I thought as a three-year-old, four-year-old, however old I was, I was stuck here forever. And I started screaming my fucking head off. Like, ah, for like five and 10 minutes straight. And eventually someone did hear me and someone came and got me. But that was the time that that loneliness bug got stuck in my heart. Wow. Because I had this traumatic experience as a little kid. And I would have never remembered that if it wasn't for the guidance of this therapist. Wow. Um, and the, the bug got stuck in my heart. And really another additional thing that uh, didn't help that heal is when the lady, the maid, eventually heard me, came and got me help me with the elevator, help me get back down to the, the ground floor and get me back to mom. Mom was very chill. She was like, oh, there you are. She's raised a bunch of kids, you know, you guys. So she knows kids do this, you know. But I had just almost died. <laughs> and she didn't know that. So she didn't comfort me to the level that I needed, where I needed like a hug for 10 minutes. And you're okay, you're okay, you're okay, I got you. It was just like, let's go, you know, like she was very chill about it. And, and she wasn't committing anything that she knew as is wrong. She was just trying to not freak out that the kid wandered away. And I get it. I 100% get it. But I literally thought I was toast. I was dead. I had almost just died. It was a near-death experience for me. And because I didn't get the comfort of what I needed, it got stuck in me, in my body, you know. Yeah. And then through this reparenting process, I myself the adult me gave my inner child the love and the reassurance that you're okay and i got you that i needed at that moment and i was crying so much through this whole process and since then i have felt so much less loneliness i healed that wow you know? and you can heal any of these things like any of these like emotions that bother you that there's a deep-seated emotion there you can go in and find out how it happened and you can help yourself heal through that process. And then you can actually heal from it and be good. And like, always remember that, yeah, I remember when that happened, but I healed through that and I helped myself heal through that. Wow. And now it's a node of awareness that you have about who you are and how you got to be how you are. And it's a story you can reassure yourself with instead of just having this emotion come up every day, all day, never wonder why, never know how it got there, never know how to deal with it either. Wow, that's pretty dope. That makes me want to 
like I know you'd mentioned, I think this is the same lady uh, mm -hmm. to me in the past. Mm -hmm. And I'm very, very curious now because I still have a couple of little hangups and uh, trigger things when it comes to probably like jealousy and and I think and I, pr I could probably pinpoint it like right now where it right. stemmed from when I went to a party with my best friend to my girlfriend's birthday party and she broke up with me at the party and started dating my best friend like and I was like 13 and and I'm like but I don't know how to necessarily fix that so but um, maybe I well, could, that, to reparent through that, you know, yeah. maybe what you needed, maybe you needed to come home and talk to your dad and tell him what happened, like for real and, um, have him tell you what's up, have him be like, yo, that's going to happen, son. Sometimes the world is this and that and the other thing. And I got you, bro. Give you a big hug type of thing. Yeah. Um, that yeah that probably could have helped uh i mean it, it makes you still to this day think like i don't think that happens to everyone you know it didn't happen to my friend he was on the other end of that experience where he got the girl you know mm -hmm. and uh we were cool you know like i i mean we, i lived in, we lived in a small town so it's not like i could just like find a bunch of new friends it, it was what it was and Right. Uh, I just accepted it, but I don't know. I mean, it probably kind of scarred me. And, oh, yeah. And then, well, growing know. up's hard, man. It's crazy. Like, think about how many turtles try to make it out to the sea from those eggs, right? Like, very few. Very few survive. Like, one in a, a hundred. That's survival. We're dealing with that. Like, we don't think we are because we're used to our little cush life, and we got a couch, and we got warmth, and blah, blah, blah. But like we're out here as organisms on a freaking rock flying through space trying to make it through this shit. Yeah. And we're not going to make it out without a few scratches, you know. Um, but to, you know, use the beautiful element of the mind and its infinite capacity to make it a little easier for ourselves is what these other things are doing that I'm talking about. Yeah, I know. I dig that. What was that lady's name again? Uh, Jane Calm. Calm, like calm. Mm -hmm. That's an interesting name. Did she change her name? It's probably a brand name, but it might not be. I didn't ask. I like it. No, I mean, Michael Malice, I know his last name, and it's not Malice, you know. And people use that as a marketing op opportunity. I was, I was at this dinner last night, and my friend is... is Jewish, but I call it, I'm like, he's Jewish. He's not, you know, he's not really like that Jewish. So he's like Jewish. But there was clearly a Jewish dude on the other side. He had the hat on and everything. And, and I was just fucking around because uh, that's what we do. And he was playing along. And I, I, but I started talking about how much I like, I respect the Jews and I like they run the world. And I work with a lot of, Jewish people, and I mentioned like Dave Smith and Michael Malice, and he's like, you know Michael Malice. He's like, who is this guy? I was like, yeah, he spent the night at my house, and um, you know, he's about he's an underwear model, and we talked about Lex Friedman. He's like, and he's like, 
I was like, yeah, I talked to Lex Friedman for an hour at Michael Malice's birthday party. I was totally kind of right. like trying to not, I wasn't trying to like be cool. It was the truth, but yeah, yeah, it's interesting being in that place where you realize, oh, I'm being the cool guy right now. You know? Yeah, it was, I did have that moment. So the tables have turned. But because mm-hmm. he was like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" Right. You know Michael Malice. Like I listen to every show, and mm-hmm. um, it's crazy where we've come and where anyone can go because yeah. we did not have a particular set of circumstances other than being white men in America. And yeah. I will say that's a nice set of circumstances. But I, what I am going to say, like nothing was given to either of us. Like we worked for this from the beginning making eight dollars an hour at the grocery store for me at least i know you uh-huh. used to do payroll you were in the army did a bunch of stuff that wasn't $4 like a, an hour at McDonald's right. when I yeah took, yeah there was not a silver spoon given to us and now we know our heroes and i know many of my heroes as well just like you know michael malice like it's crazy like, like what can happen anyone can do this this isn't some special thing you know um, it just takes understanding the laws of success and applying them and having a good relationship with yourself um, and being able to coach yourself through these tough moments, you know, and, and also keep the faith because there's times when things arise and, oh, is the whole company going to go down now? Like, no, because we're not going to let it. You know what I mean? Like, we're going to fight tooth and nail for this thing that we've built. And nothing's gonna stop us, and like that type of thing. And um, and then by doing that, you develop character and charisma and all these different things. And then all of a sudden, you're hanging with your freaking heroes. What the hell? You know, it's nuts. Yeah, I mean that reminds me. You recently went to a movie premiere where you got a movie credit from yep. Aubrey Marcus, where he spent thirty days in the dark. Oh, I wish it was 30 days. I mean, I'm sure he wishes it was 30 days. It was six days. Six. Oh, really? Okay. I don't know why I got 30 days, but still, six, even that is... That's a a lot. Yeah. yeah, Six days in the dark. That's kind of Yeah, it's incredible. And that's the third uh, film that I've worked on by Aubrey. And so for a while now, I've been like, uh, you know, mind blown that, that 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 exists like that relationship exists and i'm working on films that he's producing or being the executive producer on and these types of things but um and that that's just like a result of years and years of filmmaking um in the independent world and slowly but surely uh gaining the who's who like gaining knowledge of who's who and the references kicking in and um just the just the work and the yeah it's really just references it's like who did that well we need him you know like once you put something out into the world a few times and then people see it and are inspired by it they say well who did it who's behind it and then my name gets tossed around it's like oh let's hit him up you know yeah and it's cool and yeah i was just a a director of photography on the film and it was an honor and big shouts to ben Ben stewart the director of the film for including me because he could ask anyone to come that day, but he asked me, and that's yeah. that's really important to me, and I really appreciate that. Yeah, and I mean Aubrey Marcus is a is an icon and legend already from 
his tales of ayahuasca on the Joe Rogan experience to starting on it to, to yep. now making movies and being a shaman in, in, in his own right, mm-hmm. um, telling the ways of the warrior and the poet. Yep. But uh, he's so- got Saraswati on his tongue. <laughs> that just that just means he knows how to say the right words and tell the stories in such an impactful way. Um, and it's true. That's his gift. He's a poet. He really is. Yeah. And he actually started as warrior poet. Like his whole brand was, I'm a poet. I want to be known as a poet. Um, yeah. And after a while he was just like, Hey, I'm just me, you know? And so he changed his name from warrior poet to Aubrey Marcus, um, like on his social media and all that. But his first stuff was poetry. Like it was just posts of words over yeah. and like that hasn't changed. Um, he's still putting the words out and he's just really good at articulating them and making them hit home, you know? Yeah. And I see a lot of similarities from his trajectory and ours. And we kind of, we both kind of look to him as a, like a beacon or maybe, yeah, he's a hometown hero, you know, yeah, he really is. He, he's built something amazing with, on it and the culture around it, around it and as well the fit for service people i i've not been a part of really like the events and stuff or the retreats and stuff but i do know a handful of people that that do go and they love it it's extremely healing and it really reminds me of like kundalini yoga because they actually do yoga at these retreats and they do meditation they do talks they do ceremonies and and dances and all this and that and i know what that feels like because i used to go to a ton of these kundalini yoga retreats and i love it too so i get why people love it it's just like a a return to the simplicity of hey let's eat together in community almost like the cafeteria let's have talks uh let's eat healthy dope shit um that makes you feel good every day because they're just feeding you up these buffets of really amazing healthy organic shit at the kundalini yoga retreat I imagine it's similar there. I, I don't know. It's a guess. But yeah, um, when you're feeling really good by eating the dopest shit, the healthiest stuff, then they're giving you teas all day. You're just it's charging your body up to like have these deep conversations. And then, of course, you're doing yoga. You're just appreciating nature. Usually retreats are geared towards beautiful environments so that after you get out of yoga or a breath work or a meditation or whatever, which is all things they do at these retreats. Like you can just wander out and witness the majesty of nature, you know, and in a pristine setting for it. Um, usually they don't bring you to an ugly spot to do a retreat. It's always like, Whoa, amazing. You know, so. that'd be kind of funny to do a retreat in like an, a, in an alley filled with homeless people. <laughs> <laughs> might get you some perspective. I showed up to the Aubrey Marcus retreat and, there's a uh, ten homeless people here. <laughs> there's a dumpster. Okay, there's your room. But uh, well, the point of even bringing him up was just like working with people we have looked up to for a while, and, and just making our kind of dreams come true. And yeah. so, and I we, think a, a relation is that psychedelics are involved in both of our journeys. Yeah, like him and ours. And they have given us creative capacity that far exceeds what we are capable of without them. Um, and what's funny about it is it teaches you how to do it without them too. Yeah. But so it's not like you need it to keep doing it. But I feel like I learned how to be creative 
in those states of mind because there's creative thoughts were just thrown at me constantly, just a bunch of them. And now my mind's like wired to receive creative thoughts all day, every day. I don't even take mushrooms very often. Yeah. Um, but I, I taught myself uh, or allowed myself really to receive this message from the cosmic, the, the cosmic universe. I don't know what it is, the Akashic Records. And now I'm just like listening to it all day, every day. And it's, it's just pure creativity. And that's where we come from. Yeah. And well, and so I just, you know, we're going to, we're going to wrap it up because I got to, I'm going to go play golf, but I, uh, you know, like Malice is writing books, Aubrey's making movies, but we start all, you know, with a product, but it doesn't have to be only underwear. We can, we can expand it. I want to make a, you know, a movie. We've been talking about it and we have a lot of short films and, and, skits and things but at some point i want to make either a full like on dramatic film or some sort of documentary of some sort but yep i'm so down i'm so down and we actually just got this new camera too it's very cinematic looking um it's just amazing the a the sony a7 III um and we got a really nice lens with it as well that has a really cinematic smooth feel to it so I think that's definitely going to aid in the inspiration to start manifesting some scenes and then piecing them together as a movie. And I like to think of that too, because a lot of people uh, think of an idea and just think of the whole idea. But instead, if you break it down to, oh my God, we only need like 15 scenes. Right. If we shoot one scene a week, it only takes 15 weeks. You get down to the science of it and look at each thing as one thing instead of like be overwhelmed by this massive vision. Um, It's very easy to do these things, you know? Well, and then lastly, because we got the drone and and I've been watching a lot of eighties films and, and at the beginning, it's usually like this whole, just usually like a, a city overview of a, like, you know, maybe, it, what they would have taken in a helicopter, but we can use like the drone flying over maybe Austin or San Antonio just for like two minutes while all the credits are running and the music's yeah. playing and before the mu- the movie starts. Right. So we got the drone, we got the camera, mm-hmm. we got the ta- talent, we got the experience through you and the budget maybe now, and we're gonna, mm-hmm. we're gonna make some, have some fun, make some fun. Absolutely. Fun. Let's do it. Let's do it. And. So we're going to wrap that up. Just thank you, Matt, thank for coming you. on, the host of the Zian Archive podcast. And Time Wheel, check out timewheel.com, timewheel.net. Either one works now. Very upgrade there. And we're making moves. The uh, Time Wheel Foundation. Is there coming. anything you want to add? It's yeah. coming. You know, I think that's all of it. I mean, Time Wheel Podcast Network, of course, that's yeah. where this podcast appears. Uh, but it's all on timewheel.net. Yeah. Beautiful. So thanks again. Uh, go to sheathunderwear.com. You know, check out our stuff. Go to elementkombucha.com. They sponsor the show. We're very appreciative. Give them a shot. You will not be disappointed. And uh, we'll see you next time. Salute. Peace.